Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast, brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I'm joined by Patrick Flanagan, founder and managing director of Clarence George. Patrick, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. I'm very well, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. So we, before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background, as usual, uh, on Patrick and his business. Clarence George is a bespoke insurance and investment executive search firm who specialise in sourcing the very best quantitative talent within financial services. Patrick himself is approaching 20 years' experience within financial services search recruitment, and he set up his own business, Clarence George, in 2019. He's passionate about improving the levels of customer service in the industry. Now, Clarence George worked with some of the most prestigious companies in the UK, in Ireland, Hong Kong and Bermuda. Clarence George's philosophy and ethos is built upon their core values of quality, teamwork, humility, innovation, passion and integrity. Following a very successful initial four years based in London, they have ambitious growth plans and are planning to open a Newry office to capitalise on the buoyant Belfast and Dublin financial services jobs market. Patrick himself is passionate about giving local graduates London equivalent careers back home and being originally from Newry and having graduated from Queen's University Belfast. Patrick, what a mission and what a vision you have. But obviously, you know, Newry is still very much part of who you are and welcome home. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. So you've been building this business over 20 years in London, but do you want to tell me how it all started for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, came out of uh, Queen's University back in 2001. Uh, Seems only yesterday, but I can't believe it, 20 odd years ago now. And uh, like a typical graduate, um, was looking around for jobs at the time and uh, wasn't too much in the local economy. Um, So basically uh, went across the water, uh, started in Edinburgh. Worked for a company called Enterprise Rent-A-Car, a big US firm, um, on their graduate management program, which was a fantastic experience. Uh, worked there for about three years, and um, then recruitment was mentioned to me as a, as a sort of a job, and uh, one of these sort of jobs that you kind of fall fall into. And I uh, started in 2004 doing accountancy and finance recruitment, uh, moved to Manchester at the time. Uh, that's where the firm was based that I was working for. Spent about 12 years there um, and really enjoyed it. Um, and then sort of evolved with my recruitment career, really. Um, in 2007, 2008, the financial markets were badly hit by the, the credit crunch at the time. And I uh, then evolved into uh, actuarial recruitment. Um, at that time, I have to admit, I had no clue uh, what an actuary was. Uh, but it was very obvious to me, it was definitely the way to go forward in recruitment. It was a very highly skilled, very niche skill set, very few people, massive demand. Uh, and especially with technology coming into the industry, trying to change things, internal recruitment, trying to do their own thing. Um, it was something that I got into. And that's ultimately what I've been doing for the last 12 years. Worked at big corporates, uh, worked at a startup as well, but then decided to launch my own uh, company back in 2019. And uh, yeah, four years later, it's going very, very well. Up to 10 people now in London, but keen to see if we can uh, 
get uh, our Irish office going and it absolutely 100% has to be Newry for me. Uh, oh. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So this is where you're from originally then? Absolutely, yeah. I've got a big passion for it. it the, the obvious place would be Belfast or Dublin, of course, right? And especially where the clients that we work with, big insurance companies, banks, asset managers, Dublin is actually probably the, the likely location. But from what we do, it doesn't necessarily have to be based there. So Newry would be a fantastic uh, location for us. And it just gives those local graduates those opportunities that maybe 20 odd years ago when I was looking around, uh, didn't really see at the time. Uh, I just want to sort of yeah see if we can uh, offer that for the for the local the local talent pool really. So who would you be looking for? Um, so I say graduates because but it, it can be people that's actually you know graduated even you know five ten fifteen years ago. Um, I think it needs to be that sort of level of um, background because we are recruiting very very. Um, highly qualified people so it, it takes a lot to really understand these markets they can be quite complex you know especially as part of financial services so so it's a graduate level sort of person really um, that you know either maybe coming out of university but certainly people that have actually maybe gone off and done other careers and want to maybe sort of uh, pivot into this type of uh, role I mean it was my second job you know after university so I'm, I'm, I'm very much open to people with other life experience as well but I, I do think it does need a certain level of that sort of academic background to, to be able to be successful in it as well because it, it can take a it can definitely take a while to figure out what an actuary does no, it, certainly, it certainly did for me so I was going <laughs> to ask you there do you need to have any background or knowledge of financial services would that be preferable um, no, no no not at all no no so my background I did a I did a standard sort of, I suppose, management business type degree in Queen. So there was a financial element to it. And I've always been interested in finance. So I, I suppose I'm in financial services recruitment. And if you've got a general interest for, I suppose, the, the financial world, investments, then it's something you can pick up. It really is. Uh, it really is. And that's uh, it's a big part of it because ultimately we're not doing the job that these people are doing. But we need to have a, a pretty good grasp and a good understanding because we're, we're moving these people um, from, you know, pretty good jobs to hopefully even better jobs and it's understanding the nuances of it really. So explain how it actually works. How do you find these brilliant people? Yeah, so in the actuarial market, there's probably only about 30,000 uh, actuaries across the whole of the, the, the UK um, sector. So it's a, it is quite niche. So it's it's pretty... And they would be the, the top level. These are really super brains, aren't they? Yeah, they the way I sort of just kind of describe them is they're, they're probably just one step up from an accountant with regards to what they do at number. Because I, I did accounting and finance recruitment for six, seven years, and they were very smart people with numbers. Mm-hmm. But these are the real mathematicians. These are the real number crunchers. So they're the ones that work out basically um, your life insurance policies, uh, figure out when we're all going to potentially uh, fall off this mortal coil. Um, they also do our investments around our pensions and stuff. So they're doing quite complex mathematical modeling. Uh, to basically to work out yeah premiums from insurance um, you know returns on investments your pension contributions all that type of stuff so it can be quite techy stuff um, I'm glad you actually explained that because I, I you know I'd heard of an actuary mm. and as someone who failed her maths GCSE it was never <laughs> a world I was going to occupy but I knew that these were extremely um, bright people who were going to go on to really good jobs mm-hmm. and. Who needs them now? Who is it? All these insurance companies? Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's why it's a great profession. So I'd even say to people out there maybe listening if they don't want to necessarily fall into recruitment, because recruitment definitely su- suits a sort of a more what I would call sales type individual, business developer, relationship management person. But if you're very good at maths, it's a fantastic 
degree you know if you go down the the degree route and then going into a job afterwards it's a great career so and the opportunities and i suppose the the earnings as well are the, pretty abso- good absolutely yeah so it's all the big insurance companies you can think of like real blue chip names you know big four consultancies uh, investment banks asset managers so basically looking after you know our, our pension money really mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty critical um especially with everybody living longer as well so there's huge demand for these people and because of the qualification to become an actual because most most of these people will have had very good degrees in STEM subjects, but then they have to go on and do a further qualification, which can take three to five years to become an actuary. Right. Uh, so it's not easy. So that's why you've got such a, a small number as a profession, 30,000 or whatever it is. So it's, uh, so yeah, absolutely. Earnings is very, very good straight off the bat for these, uh, for, for these people coming out. You've built your business in London and that was obviously where you needed to be because anybody that I knew that was ever an actuary always started in london is mm-hmm. that is that is that still the kind of the normal route absolutely yeah i mean a lot london is the is the is the sort of the the quintessential insurance market it's been going for 400 years it's literally where they set up insurance in a coffee shop uh they used to ring a bell when a ship was sunk at sea years ago oh uh, right is that it how was, it started it, a little, it came out of a coffee shop in ah. the central of center of london yeah and uh, it's just really evolved from there. So yeah, you've got the other markets like New York, Singapore, but London is the really as, a, as an actuary is the, is the premier market, and that that's ultimately where a lot of the business is. Um, and how easy was it was it for you to build your business? So good question. So as you can imagine, probably trying to get into something like this is not something that you, you just do very, very quickly, but it, it's evolved with 20 years of just working in recruitment. And as I said, I've been working in this specific market now for 12 years. So I've worked, uh, I've learned the trade with other corporate uh, companies that gave me an opportunity to, to work in this sector. So so how easy was it? Um, for me, it wasn't overly, it wasn't complex because I wasn't doing something that I hadn't done before, you know, I wasn't reinventing the wheel. I, I was very, very successful recruiter. Uh, I knew the market. It's a very people-based job, so you tend to form relationships with your candidates and clients, so they want to work with you, yeah. maybe not necessarily the company you work for. And I've had a very certain style, which I've brought into hopefully setting up this business that uh, has worked really, really well in recruitment. And uh, it's kind of flowed quite nat- naturally for me because clients and candidates wanted to come with me. And that's been the big, the big sort of, I suppose... Uh, success element to it because um yeah I, i've been i've been basically for the last four years create my own business doing what i've been doing for the last 20 years really and that's why it hasn't been overly complex in actually setting it up it's actually now trying to grow it that's the yeah, complex and, bit and it's yours now which is great so you can do that and you can take it uh, to places that it needs to go you're working with some of the most prestigious companies um around the world really are you allowed to name drop yeah sure sure so yeah it was qu- quite funny when i mentioned these names because it's like well look you you, you literally didn't exist four years ago and it was it was just yourself at the time setting it up and uh, so yeah some of our main clients are the likes of ernst and young uh, we've placed in the companies like BlackRock, um, Schroders, um, Legal in General, Prudential. Um, so yeah, it's it's really is those type of firms that we work with. So, but those are the firms that would like to partner with the more bespoke type recruiter. You could go to larger, bigger corporate recruiters, but they wouldn't really have the the necessary you know um, teams in there with the right knowledge and skill sets to do it so they tend to partner with more sort of bespoke recruiters anyway so yes it's, it's an amazing sort of client list um but as you can imagine 
there's massive demands of the quality recruiter that they want. Yes. So it's incumbent on me that uh, I have to, you know, have to get the right people. And you mentioned there that that, that pool of the right people is quite small. Did you say 30,000? 30, 30,000 actuaries, is, and that's one part of what we do. The other bit is CFAs, Chartered Financial Analysts, which do more on the investment side, and there's going to be more of them. But yeah, actuaries is probably a good 60 to 70% of our business. And, you know, how many actuaries are, are are needed right now? What is the demand like? It's huge, really. Um, there's a lot actually having to come from, from overseas. So we're placing a lot of international actuaries into our into our clients in, in, in London uh, from, you know, you name it, South Africa, India, New Zealand. Just ladies starting now with Ernst & Young in a couple of weeks coming over from Sydney, Australia. So it's a phenomenal... So you're sourcing from all over the world. All over the world, yeah, it's great. And, and do you find them on LinkedIn or how do you find them or yeah. where, do you, so where do you go we've looking? Got an, we've got an existing database and that's a database that I've built uh, in my career over the last 12 years in this market. So um, so that's the main the main one that we would we would source our, our talent from. LinkedIn is great. Um, that's probably second. Um, LinkedIn, everybody's got LinkedIn nowadays. So yeah. you, you kind of have to differentiate yourself as a, as a headhunter because, you know... What, what do you do differently what from do we the competition do, do we or do a norm, yes, a regular yeah, recruitment company? Absolutely. And, and the competition would be, you know... Um, mostly now internal recruitment in firms. There's a lot of um, companies now, especially the big firms, will have their own internal recruitment teams. Sure. So they'll be on LinkedIn every day trying to source talent. So so if we're just doing that as well, we're not really offering anything different really. But LinkedIn is a great tool to reach out to people uh, and connect with. And see the skill sets. Absolutely. Yeah. But but the third, and I think this is the big one for me, it's, it's actually the referrals. Um, yeah. You know, once you really look after a client or a candidate, it, it's the type of market where... These people treat their, I mean, they put so much time and investment into their careers. They really want a good headhunter that isn't just finding them jobs. That's not really the difficult part for these people. They're very much just jobs all the time mm -hmm. for these people. It's really understanding them as people. Um, you know, they're not really moving for money a lot of the time because they're incredibly well paid. You know, these are people that just need to be intellectually stimulated. You know, is it the mentor? Where's their career path going? So it's about the relationships. And on the back of that, once you start, work in the market for a certain amount of time and being successful being a quite niche market if you've got a good reputation you're going to get referrals and that's the bit that the internal recruiters won't necessarily sure. go or the direct um, LinkedIn adverts or online adverts don't do it's, it's a real sort of people person job and it's really understanding what would it take for somebody in a really well-paid job that are probably very 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 happy to move to the next job and that's the really fascinating thing about it and I've actually had people with psychology degrees that joined me over the years and that works quite well as well right. it's just understanding people ultimately absolutely and understanding what people want out of life too you know you can have all of the money in the world but if you're not happy in the job and the environment and retention is such a massive thing for, for organisations. I know you're at the recruitment end, but lots of people are saying now, but how do we keep them? Yeah. And do you work on that? I mean, is that kind of the, when the, the package has to be right, it has to look right and it has to make sure that this person can have the right work-life balance too? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, I think, And that's that's ultimately why people are moving at the minute. It is, it is exactly that. It's... Uh, especially with, you know, the pandemic, you know, if people now aren't offering the agile working, they'll yeah. just go somewhere else. So it's, it's, it's a real sort of, there's a number of reasons, I suppose, if you, if you sort of make a list of why you're in a job and why you're happy and, and maybe why you're dissatisfied. And it's just really trying to figure out what those reasons are. So it can take conversations that go over the course of 
six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years before you really get to understand, actually, you know, this is this is what you want and this is what we can provide for you. And what's it like, say, if you if you go to London to where, where you're based at the minute? Because we saw that during COVID, you know, people moved out of all of the flats and the on the offices and the those empty office buildings, but now there's massive push to get people back into the office. Do you think that's do you think that's ever gonna happen? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely come back, certainly in a big way in London. Uh, it's quite noticeable, actually. Um, I spend five days in the office. I, I'm still, I still quite like going in uh, to the office, but you, you definitely do see it. Sort of like Monday, Fridays are quite quiet. Um, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, you can't get an office uh, space or a phone booth or anything. And everybody comes in. It tends to be that sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in London, and people are sort of spending maybe two days work from home. And mm-hmm. that's kind of basically expected now. Uh, and if firms but, aren't able to do that, they're going to lose the talent. So that's what you need to offer. You can't just say, look, we're totally office-based. Is that not what the actuaries want or the people that um, you need to source? Yeah, no, every, I think everybody wants that mix now, that yeah. hybrid working environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's... Especially if you can do the job remotely. Why yeah. do you have to be yeah, absolutely. desk Abs- present? Absolutely. I mean, I generally believe that there has to be a good balance of both, really, because... And I was quite old-fashioned, I suppose, before lockdown. I thought I had to be in the office yeah, every day showing up. Yeah, I did up. too. Yeah. And that was the old-school approach. And uh, But now, you know, you, you've got to, because, you know, especially in the actuarial or insurance profession, they're competing now with the likes of the tech firms, the Googles, the Facebooks, for this sort of quantitative talent. Oh, because I see. especially programming languages, we, we a lot of actuaries will do programming, like Python programming, and the tech firms are looking this skill set now. And they can offer people very, very, very good packages with regards to working from home, lifestyle sort of uh, choices right. and stuff. It's, so it's, it's, it's a big firm, whereas you've got this like insurance industry 400 years old. It's taken a while to just adapt to it. And a few of our clients did take a little while to sort of understand that. And now everybody's pretty much... Uh, you know, figured it out, and I've got that sort of rela- you know got, got that sort of um, arrangement with their staff. So now you're looking to open a, a, an office back home um, to to offer local graduates this same sort of London lifestyle, if if you like. Um, how would that look for anybody that came to work for you? What would you be offering them? Sure. So. Pretty much to emulate what we've done in in uh, London, really. Uh, we've sort of b- bit the business out of the London market, but the the Newry office then would be very much focused on the Irish insurance investment market, which again would predominantly be London uh, based um, clients. Uh, there'd be some maybe in Belfast as well, but again, it's mainly the big insurers and the the pension firms and asset managers are in um, in Dublin. So to really ultimately be very much the founders of the Irish office. So we're looking for like a real unique sort of skill set where people aren't just wanting to be a recruitment consultant. They want to be, you know, a manager, a director, a leader of the business and sort of maybe an entrepreneur themselves one day. And that's the journey we've been on in, in London. So I've got a team now in London that are stepping up into managerial roles and want to sort of take on more, set up new divisions, international locations. So my uh, goal now is to see if we can create that within the, the Newry office and, uh, Look, it's, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal career opportunity for people, not just the earning potential, but just dealing with this type, you know, really it is a, such a rewarding job when you're sort of getting amazing career opportunities for people that necessarily when you have that first conversation with you, maybe don't necessarily think they want to move jobs or maybe have a potentially low opinion of a recruiter. You know, I say, you know, 
the industry when I joined it, I couldn't believe it. This is obviously going back a while now, but I couldn't believe the low levels of customer service. You know, is that right? not returning people's calls, not giving them feedback after interviews. Uh, you know, the the, the, the role I had at Enterprise Rent-A-Car was an American company. We would actually be penalised on our commission because of low customer service. So I, I so it was a great training ground for me going into recruitment because I was like, well, surely if somebody's gone for interview, the least you can oh, do no. is to actually give them a quick call at There's the end of it. There's nothing worse when you hear nothing and then you hear actually that post has been filled now Absol- nobody even got back. Absolutely, yeah. And I just, that was one of my biggest things we just thought was like, ah, oh, it's just shocking. It's just shocking really. You know, I mean, it, it, there's a part of it where sometimes, you know, the client necessarily isn't great for providing that feedback to the recruiter. But I've had pretty much a bit of a zero tolerance policy okay. with evil with clients on that. And that's probably why I'm so respected in my industry to say, look, no, we're not going to mess people around. If they're going to go for interview, you know, they may be rejected, but can it's we at least give them some... Issue exactly, here. can mm-hmm. we give them a bit of feedback? And that's kind of my sort of, I suppose, my sort of real working class roots, really. I just always want to treat people with decency and respect. And, you know, said if they go for interview and that, but that was a big thing that I've really done. And that's probably been one of the things that I've sort of separated myself from the rest of the industry because sometimes recruitment doesn't have... You know, the best reputation because it's very cutthroat, it's very competitive. They think everybody's just out purely just to make money. Um, but look, not all of us are like that and there's, there's a different way to do it as well. Is it quite interesting for you now as someone who previously worked for someone else and then recruited for clients to now be building your own firm and recruiting for your own firm? Does it give you a, a, a different view of of what that's like? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's why I really sort of value like the experience I had in all these other places to see what was good and there was a lot good uh, but then there was the other side and that was the bit that I was trying to I've been trying to avoid so so yeah it was it was great it was great to sort of be able to sort of see that and now that I've sort of been able to set up my own company I've, it's allowed me to have a clear sort of vision of what I what way I want to do it and hopefully I'm getting it right but there's still still there's still definitely mistakes and learns and uh, that's what makes it so so interesting after all these years and growing up uh, in uh, Newry and then working in London um, you've said already it absolutely has to be back here the office needs to be here why do you love Newry so much This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I suppose, I don't know, like most people really, it's that sort of affinity from where you, you've been brought up. Um, it's actually quite funny because probably the accent isn't as strong and I know I've been away for a long no, time No, it's an I, interesting accent Yeah, hearing well, all sorts Well, well I, was, I was actually um, I actually was born in uh, Leicester in England of all places but oh. I was, I was my, my parents uh, my dad was from South Armagh my mum's from Mayo and they moved back to, to Newry in 1987 and I was only a little kid I think it was seven or eight at the time so it came in with a very strong English accent you sounded it, like Gary Lineker Yeah, pretty much, yeah <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, came back in and uh, obviously lost that accent Fairly quickly when I was a kid, obviously when you're socialising as a kid, uh, lost it fairly quickly and then, uh, yeah, and then obviously went away, uh, did a bit of travelling, had a year in Australia, had a year in America, 
Um, so, and then I've been in England now for 20 years, so it's definitely the English accent's probably creeping back in a little bit. Uh, I like to think I've still got uh, the Newry, the Newry, the do dulcet tones, but uh, <laughs> it's it's just where the family is. My, my mum and my brother and sister are in, um, in Newry at the minute. They, they've been living here for the last 35 years. Uh, my friends are still here as well. Um, yeah, I think it's so unique about you know, Ireland, uh, you just, I, I just, you just can't sort of, everybody's, even when I speak to Irish people over in England, yeah, we're over there for a career, but we're all like miss home and it's just unfortunate sometimes. And that's why I'm passionate about hopefully giving this opportunity to people where, you know, you can, uh, you can have your, you know, your family, your lifestyle, and you don't necessarily always have to go across the water to, to achieve that. Well, I'm sure there'll be many people that, that work uh, with, you know, trying to stop this brain drain that we've had over the years would be supporting what you're what you're actually doing. Do you see yourself spending more time here then? Is that, is there a personal oh, reason? Oh, here yeah, too? 100%. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I definitely do. You know, London was great in my 20s and 30s. So are you going to come back full time and then just... That's the plan, yeah. Ah. So the plan would be once I can, um, you know, I'm, I'm actively hiring at the moment for, for, for the office in Uri. Uh So it's... It's a bit of a chicken and egg for me at the minute because it's once I've got people, then I can spend more time here. So, um, so I'm looking to see if we can uh, get at least maybe one or two people on this year to get the office going. And then that would be me here for quite a lot of time training people up and developing them. And then once they're up and running, my job is then to sort of bring them into those sort of managerial roles where they can sort of grow, grow the team in Newry. So I didn't expect myself to be sort of back and forth probably between Newry and London quite a bit. But yeah, I definitely want to really want to sort of settle down back home now and just uh, yeah sort of been there and done the london lifestyle and uh, it'd be quite nice to have a, a little bit more peace and quiet and what at what point did that start to to creep in because i know covid again was something that made people reevaluate well funny enough i i remember when i left in 2001 to go for my first job in edinburgh i thought i was going to be away for two years ah. and i think a lot of people do that i really do um, it's just temporary i'm just yeah, doing this now it was just one of those where like yeah i'm just gonna go away for a couple of years and come back and it's it's one of these where you just wake up one day and it's like 20 years later you're still away <laughs> and um, you're paying a mortgage and you've yeah all yeah. of all of the ta- the trappings of of grown-up life exactly exactly so i've always wanted to come back but just you know life takes over and uh yeah you can get caught up in just uh, the bright lights and the, the lifestyle but now it's sort of a lot more maturity especially in in the last five six years setting up my own business and stuff it would just be nice and uh, i'm home fairly often anyway i'm i'm, I'm very 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 family orientated person anyway so i try and get home as much as i can i spend a good two three weeks at christmas week at easter i was going to say it's not just those rose tinted glasses where you have lovely oh no 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 lovely nostalgic memories you know are you are you ready for what it actually oh absolutely yeah Yeah, i mean i love it back here you know and it's uh it's It's transformed as well hasn't it i mean everybody wants to be here now yeah yeah no absolutely i think we have to probably keep it a secret really because i I think the secret's out you reckon yeah because honestly (laughs) i've heard some people in uh Obviously, with the house prices here, because like you just, I mean, you're looking at anything in the southeast of England, it's a shoebox for about half a million. Mm-hmm. So people are thinking, well, maybe it could work in uh, Northern Ireland, especially with the agile working. I could definitely see it. I've heard a few people coming over this way, and it's with people with no links to, yeah. to Northern Ireland whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Which, so yeah, it could be the secret, but I need to get back home then before the house prices you, come up. You really do, you do, you need to get that house bought, absolutely. Um, well, it is so interesting, and even just, uh, you know, I've talked to quite a few people who've maybe worked in, in London, or or their young people have been there, and then they had to come back during lockdown, and then they thought, so I'm paying for that shoebox in London, and I could actually buy... The, you know a, a huge house by the sea or something like that for what I'm paying yeah. but then interestingly my son is in London I was just saying to you before um, we started recording 
And, you know, they're starting to build flats in London where you, as a young professional, have access to not just a gym, but you have a spa, you have an outdoor heated swimming pool. It is trying to make that London life attractive again to, to keep to keep the young people. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, absolutely. Every, it's a very competitive uh, market out there, and long may that continue. It's yeah. it's it's great to see that there are so many jobs for young people because I know in my time when I started out there there weren't. Yeah. Um, what kind of boss would you be? Boss, yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a very sort of. Uh, this is a recruitment question. This is an inter job yeah, interview. Yeah, absolutely. You. I, I, like for me, you know, the, the the logic that I have is if if I can hire really good people and people better than me I remember I heard this years ago and yeah. it's so true if, you know I've got very high standards myself but if I can hire people that have you know as, as good as me if not better I, I'm all I, I just all about just empowering people because the journey for me is I kind of want to create more entrepreneurs that's the bottom line because I'm a big I'm a big believer in just giving something back to society and uh, look what I get in my job now is is not necessarily the recruitment side or making the money side of the job. It's more and that's what it was in the tw- in my twenties and thirties, being ultra competitive, trying to be the biggest biller and stuff. I've always had that about me. Now it's about actually just giving my, um, I suppose, mentoring and coaching skills to create uh, uh, create a new sort of uh, MD of Clarence George moving forward. And it could be it could be recruitment, it could be something else. So you know that's the bit for me that's really passionate. So the boss that I am is. Look, I don't really want to be that sort of dictatorial type boss. I, I think you know, I just want to, I suppose, empower you know, empower people and get out of their way. Yeah. You know, and if they let if them they, do their job, let them do their job, and uh, yeah, and look, that's that's it ultimately, because that's always how I was. I hated being managed as mm. such or micromanaged. Micromanaged, yeah. micromanaged. And you lose your confidence yeah. when that happens. Yeah, too. and for me, it's like, well, if you've got smart, ambitious people, um, you know, they're going to make mistakes. Fine, but mm. as long as they've got ultimately the 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 passion and commitment and that's that's my non-negotiable I, I really want that like passion and drive and commitment because that's what, that's what I've had and that's ultimately how I built my career I didn't have any sort of handouts or any sort of family contacts or you know any nepotism or any anything like that it was literally I was the only I was the first person in my family to go to university you know I went over to England didn't know what to, you know, England didn't know what to expect and it was just hard graft and that's what I'm looking for. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's it. You know, as long as people give me that, they'll probably just see the nice Patrick. But <laughs> if I don't get that, then there is the other side, and I, I've got a zero. And I, I just want people that are just really passionate, committed, and uh, will just really work hard because ultimately, that's what it takes to be successful. What's been the biggest challenge you faced so far? Biggest challenge, uh, I'd say probably. I suppose it'd have to be the pandemic, really, in the sense that I'd only had the business going for twelve months. So um, set up the business, and then twelve months later, there was the the global pandemic, which was, uh, yeah, interested to and say the ma- least. How many members of staff did you have at that? Well, that was the fortunate thing in a way because there was just myself and two others. So it was three in total. So I purposely sort of decided to build the business very much organically. Uh, I could have went away and got private equity investment and hired 10, 20 people straight away. But for me, it was always going to be about purely 100% my investment, no other sort of external parties. So I've done it very, very gradually with graduates. So one graduate, next graduate, that type of way. So there was only there was only three of us at the time. So it wasn't, uh, thankfully, it wasn't a business of 50, 60 people where in recruitment, especially in a pandemic, you know, we had our best client at the time 
when it happened, when the, when it was announced around that March period of 2020, uh, basically 10 jobs we had with them were all put on hold. And I was a bit like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Oh uh, I've just yes. set up a business a year ago. I remember as well, I bought my first, I bought my first property just literally six months before oh. the credit crunch. And I thought, why, do I, why does this always What's happen this? to me? I bought, I bought yes. it right at the height of the property boom. And then I've set up a business a year oh. before the pandemic. I thought, goodness me. But I, I do like a challenge. You and, do. Uh, Goodness me, it was, but it, it was. Um, look, ultimately, it was, it was, it was fine. You know, I, okay. I look, looking back, I was thinking to myself, maybe I should have been a lot more stressed out and panicked. But I think because I didn't have a, a big workforce and I knew I had a enough sort of financial um, resources behind me that could sort of probably get through a year. And you knew the financial help months. was coming in, and yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, and then yeah, look, after probably about four months. Um, the client started to call back in again and because and in this type of market being sort of you know technically gifted people they can all work from home on that's computers it, and laptops it. once they worked out how to do it and that's exactly it so they've seen their own existing staff working from home and thought well actually look this is actually mm-hmm. going quite well they've been sent out laptops been sent out mobile phones so then they thought well we've still got all these vacancies can we can we recruit? So it was a little, probably a little bit of a suck it and see it approach yeah. at the start and it just gradually came back on to the point probably the last 18 months, I've never seen a busier recruitment market in my career. Is that right? It's up, And I think because it was this period that nothing happened, it's all come back on really thick and fast. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really right up until now and hopefully it continues, of course, but it's been very, very, very active. And obviously we now know that, you know, there, there are certain people out there and they could have any job and it, it, the onus really is on, on the company to, to attract them. But I'm wondering too, if we just go right back to going for a job or going for an interview, um, what advice would you give to people listening to this if they were looking to do something else or, uh, you know, want to, wanted to apply for a job and, and, and needed to put themselves forward? What what would you say to people? It's it's probably taking you back to the early stages of recruitment rather than the niche end that you're, you're dealing with now. But I just think it might be useful for people listening in today. Yeah, so I think for, for me... The, the big thing with most people, I think, is confidence, really, uh, ultimately, at, at the end of the day. And uh, and a lot of people have said their confidence has been knocked a bit since the pandemic. They just don't, that connection, yeah. that face-to-face mm. thing. I mean, are, you, are people doing interviews online or do you have to go face-to-face or what way does it work? Yeah, I think probably, yeah, the majority, probably, probably I'd say... 80% at the minute start off at least uh, as a Zoom or a, or a Teams uh, video. Um, and especially you're working from home, you're not maybe having that sort of interaction. But I think, um, yeah, that's why I'm a sort of, maybe I didn't finish that point earlier. That's why I'm a big believer of the hybrid working environment. There's definitely a massive need for people to get into the office and have that sort of uh, stimulation and, and really sort of that sort of knocking ideas together and, and just basically being able to improve. Because I, I, I don't think I'd be anywhere near as good as I am if I didn't have that sort of day-to-day social interaction. social interaction. Oh, you do Absolutely. Need it, yeah. And you look around and you, and you see different things and you go, look, that person's great at that or that person's great at that. And that's how you learn. So I'd say to anybody, you know, one of the big things we did see, especially with the graduates starting in the pandemic they were all basically their career was working from home Mm -hmm. so now when they're coming back into the market they're very resistant to going into a job where they people want them to come into the office um, and some of our clients have really struggled with that. There's been massive pushback, especially with the graduates that started in 2020, 21. They're like, well, I, I've always worked from home. Yeah. So we obviously remember what it was like yes. before then. And I think that's the message I would say to, to those people. You've got to get into the office and you've got to 
change your mindset around yeah absolutely you can still have the couple yes, of days from yes. home but you know not this five days you need to from come home. and meet people absolutely you've got to meet people you've got to you've got to you've got to pick a mentor five ten fifteen years ahead of you and learn and learn and then it's, and it's those water cooler moments as well where you can just you know pick somebody's brain and also have the, a bit of fun have a bit of fun and the gel of teams i think i, I, I did uh, uh sort of uh I think it was a bit of a blog probably about a year ago for one of our clients because they were like, why is people leaving us? We're, you know, we're, we're paying well, we've got great jobs. And I said, look, it's, it's not your company. It's across the whole of the industry. And I called it the gel of company, um, the glue, sorry, the glue of organizations is, is not as strong anymore because you will have friction in business and in life and in any relationship. And look, sometimes it's best delivered in person. Or do you know what? If you've had a bit of a testy day, you can go for a quick coffee with them or go for a quick glass of wine mm-hmm. and beer after mm-hmm. work that's not happening and, and, and i think a lot of people fell out of love with their current companies their current teams their current Sense. managers so that's my bit of advice on that one whereas goes to preparing for interviews um i think the confidence comes from ju- yeah it's basically do do your research you know whatever it is you're going for it doesn't matter what type of industry or what level it is or what qualification you need just do a little bit of re- it's, the, it's the quickest way to impress somebody uh, and so many people i do a lot of interviews now and i don't even think they've looked at the website and like, come on, really? Yeah. It's it's just, you know, and you can, you know, let's be honest, you can pick a few things off the website, exactly. make a few notes on your pad, and then just, you know, regurgitate an interview. It doesn't take much, but it's, it's just that little bit of preparation, and that and it ultimately shows the enthusiasm, because I think that's what most people are really I was speaking for. To, to one business owner recently, and they said the amount of times they, they don't, ha- they have no shows. Like, imagine, mm. back in my day, the thought of you had a job interview and you just didn't bother because, you know, I got a better offer. Th- that's the world that we're in at the minute, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another friend was going for a very, very senior job recently, and she said there was no face-to-face interview, that it was done by uh, a Zoom, but it was recorded with nobody on the other side of it, and questions popped up on the screen, and you had 30 seconds to answer the question, and then the next yeah. one popped up. Mm. And she said she nearly had a panic attack because it was just so oh it was she just felt so constricted and thought please can i just start again this is awful so anyway recruitment has changed so much and maybe that's not a a good idea Uh, look that's interesting that's the first time i've heard about something like that and i think that's where we need to be really careful of because you can lose really good people absolutely (laughs) i mean you know yes technology is brilliant but you know let's uh, let us let it not take over uh because ultimately you know when you think about what you do on a daily basis, a lot of people sort of boil it down to once you've, you know, you, you can, you know, get your well, your earnings to pay your mortgage. Ultimately, you think, do I actually really enjoy this place? Do I actually enjoy these people I work with? And uh, that's ultimately what it is. It's uh, it's a very very social thing, working, yeah. isn't it? And, and uh, human interaction is is what makes it, us all tick. And exactly. hopefully, we won't be all replaced by bots. But who mm, knows? Who knows? Um, Clarence George, where did the name come from? So that's a good, that, you know what, that was probably the hardest thing um, that I actually, because you said at the start, how easy was it? And mm-hmm. I actually came across as, not, hopefully not too nonchalant about it, that it wasn't that hard, but that was the hardest bit. Yeah. What are we uh, going to call this? Yeah, thing? honestly, it really was because I knew what I was, as I said, I knew what I was doing, so I wasn't, you know, going to do something different. And I was like, well, I need a really good name. And I was thinking like, you, you got the thing like PF Associates or Flanagan Associates. And I thought, that's just, that's just... Uh, same as everyone, really. And uh, I just, lo- long story short, I was basically for a long time thinking, I need someone that actually means something to me. And um, being sort of financial service recruitment, quite high-end financial service recruitment in London, people sort of mentioned sort of these quite sort of, 
I suppose, how would we call it? Sort of names that have some... Sort of pre- yeah, exactly. Yes. Names with sort of, sort of prestige. So I was messing around sort of on my notepad one Sunday afternoon, writing names down uh, with quite prestigious names. And then I, I actually then thought... Like, one of my favourite films is It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. I don't know if you know that film. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's, it's the Every Christ- Christmas. Every Christmas. Absolutely love that film. And it's kind of my ethos about life and business. Mm-hmm. I've always been an entrepreneur, a business person, love to be the best and earn money and stuff. But ultimately, I'm that family person that wants to look after people and look mm-hmm. after family. And I've just love that show so much. Just absolutely, just absolutely resonates with me every year when I watch it. And obviously, Clarence is the angel. Yes. And George Bailey is the is the young is the young. Uh, I'm so glad I asked this question. It, it's, it's 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 random, isn't it? But it's what. And then I've thought to myself, that's it. So George look, Clarence. Clarence George, and I thought, you know, that sounds right for our market. It's got the right sort of name. It's got the right sort of. Got a bit of prestigious sound and sound to it. And you didn't go with James Stewart, no. No, I didn't go with James Stewart, no. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I just thought, you know what, that actually means something to me because the, the film means something to me. And that's the kind of ethos about my business as well. It's not to be the biggest, you know, um, it's not to be the most profitable. It's just to build a really good quality business where I can give back. Ultimately. I'm so glad I asked that. I wasn't going to, and then I thought, I wonder why, I wonder why. That's really, really nice. What do you like to do in your spare time? You said you're a family man. Yeah, well, family man. No no family of my own at the minute, uh, and that hopefully could, uh, if I can stop, um, you know, just uh, working. working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that could be the, that could be the next step for lovely. me, which would be, which would be lovely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lo- love to just get back and, um, you know, spend time with, with my family and just help out as well. So my mum's widowed, you know, my brother's got autism, so I really there's always been that little bit of guilt to be fair being over there you know but a lot of it was to say look one day i can come back home and look after them and uh haven't done a bad job from far away but there's nothing like just being back home and having that sort of you know interaction just nipping around for a coffee or a tea or what have you so that's a big part of coming back home to to spend time with family and uh your mum must be delighted uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 I'd, I'd say of course she, she is. I say she probably is. Yeah, no, it's great, and I love coming back. I mean, because uh, that's that's why I get a big, big part of you know out of life now. What's just your favorite part of home? Um, what being home or yeah, all of it. Uh, just what what do you do first when you get yeah, back? Yeah, well, what I do, I, I quite like sort of. I was quite big, and I was quite big into my sport when I was younger, and then I sort of didn't really do much for many many years. But in the last sort of probably five years, I'm big into my running now. So I do a lot of do a lot of running, do a lot of like ten k's, half marathons. Did the London marathon there back in uh, September. So I love running. So when I come back home now this weekend. You know, the plan was today and I didn't get a chance because uh, I had to meet my accountant, who's a, who's my university mate, uh, Brendan. Give a shout out to Brendan <laughs> at Malone Lynch on. I met him today um, for a quick coffee and we went through the boring bits of accounts. So meet friends. Uh, still got my friends from uni and school here. Um, probably do park run tomorrow uh, in Rostreva. Lo- lo- love my park run every week. Uh, I was trying to see if I could fit in a hot yoga with uh, the Bikram yoga in Yuri oh. there, Jenny and stuff. And uh, unfortunately, because I'm flying back tomorrow night, I'm not going to be able to fit it in. So, yeah, it's really sort of like health and wellness for me now because it is quite a stressful job and uh, obviously trying to build a business, um, trying to look after myself. Not not that I did when I was in my 20s and 30s. Now I'm actually thinking, do you know what, I'm in my 40s now. Do you know what, I need to probably look after myself. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm really, really happy with that. So I don't think I, uh, I think could, it's could go exactly out and go and do nights out. And you can have the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And you look look what you've got around you, the moans on the doorstep, you know, Carling Foods. It's just, you know, my other half when she comes over just thinks it's just amazing. She's not know. from here. No, she's uh she's English, so yeah, she's she to persuade her to move. Don't even she's even more keen to come back <gasps> than me. Yeah, oh, she, she loves it. Come over back her. in a couple of years and tell us what's happened Absol- next. <laughs> absolutely. So she's she's dying to get back as well. So uh yeah, she loves it over here. Lovely.
Now, the last question is one I ask every guest. Uh, the purpose of this podcast, Patrick, is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs out there to grow their businesses by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as Clarence George, the beautifully named Clarence George. What advice then would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Great question. Um, I think this one would be, well, is if it's something that you've you've, you've done in a corporate career, because obviously I've come from a, um, obviously doing it for, for a long time and for other people. So for me, that's why it wasn't sort of, a massive thing trying to think of something new, but I, I think if it's uh, if it's a new business idea, I think just ultimately it's about just taking taking that first step, um, and it's back to that confidence thing. Um, I would always advise people personally that get some experience before you do it. Um, I was uber ambitious and probably probably thought I should have done it a lot earlier, and now looking back, I'm actually so glad I've done it at this age. Because I do see a lot of people now, especially coming out of uni, they want to go in a startup. And that's why I've been able to thankfully attract some really good people because I've got that startup story to tell people. But I see people like wanting to do it very, very quickly. And uh, it's it's about life experience. So I'd say if you're a bit younger, just take a bit of time. Um, you might want to you might work in some places that you might not necessarily you know, completely be in love with. But if you're gaining from it and you're learning from it, then just really just be a sponge for those first five, ten years out of uni um, and then go and sort of set something up. And I think that's the big thing because, especially recruitment, a lot of people, can, I've seen people at 24, 25 set up recruitment businesses after two years' experience. And when times are good, they're flying. But it's when times aren't good, like the pandemics and recessions, and I'd seen a lot, I was able to sort of really take take things with a level head. So, so for me, whatever it is, just, yeah, don't, uh, it's difficult to say this as an entrepreneur because I think we're naturally just really impatient people. I'm so impatient and I still am. Uh, God knows what I was like 20 years ago. I think I was insufferable, but <laughs> now it's just like, how, how, do you, how do you just be, it's kind of like, you know what you want to do and you want to do it. So you got to take that step, but just do it gradually. Just do it gradually. Just dip your toe in the water. Um, I wouldn't be quitting any jobs or anything until you, mm. your, your idea is Others actually... Others have said that. Mm -hmm. ...is actually going somewhere. So, look, it's a bit different from 20 years ago when I came out because there probably wasn't... The internet was only just really taken off. You can pretty much set up anything now, you know, for, with uh, anything online. But what I'd say with that is keep, keep your, keep your full-time job. It might be monotonous, it might be boring, but keep that and just gradually build build it up um, and build that experience because it's a, it's a long career and, uh, you know, you don't want to be launching five businesses by 30 and them all failing. What, what's the point? But definitely, definitely just take your time and be able to, you know, try and sort of, if you're, if you're naturally an entrepreneur, you'll have to sort of go against your instincts sometimes and not trying to just go too quickly. And that's, that's my advice. Just really pick good mentors, learn as much as you can, and then hopefully you're in a good space good position when you're ready to go. Slow and steady wins the race. Patrick Flanagan, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on the Public Eye podcast today and wishing you every success with the building of uh, Clarence George, the beautifully named Clarence George, back here in Newry. Thanks very much to Patrick for joining me today and thank you for listening. Join me next time on the Public Eye podcast. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. 
we also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.